This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fambergas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, as always, Veritas member, for making Veritas possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And remember, subscribe not because you want to believe, but because you want to know. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material, and everything else we have to offer. And like us on Facebook, and visit the page frequently. We have Samantha, one of our associates, who updates that page every day, and includes news that you won't find in the mainstream media. And to get in touch with us, for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower. There's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. Could what we believe about mankind's creation be wrong? Are we alone in the universe? Are there other civilizations out in the universe that could be like us? Did they come to visit us? Or are they trying to visit us? Is there a God? What was the purpose of the pyramids and all the magnificent megalithic structures around the world that in the 21st century we have not been able to replicate after thousands of years? 
we have heard the theory of how a more advanced race mixed their DNA with the Homo erectus to create the Homo sapiens to mine gold. What is the sole purpose of many megalithic structures in the Middle East, Africa, Europe, Asia, and the Americas? Were built as washboards to collect gold from running water and had nothing to do with what you and I thought until now? These are some of the questions that tonight's special guest has pondered all his life. He wants to know everything. This is the way his mind works. Sounds like me. And to answer these and many more questions, Marshall Klarfeld is coming up next, right now on Veritas. Upon graduating from Caltech in 1951, Marshall Klarfeld began a 30-year career with Wallace J.S. Johnson's company, Upright Inc. In 1963, Marshall's boss, Wallace Johnson, was elected mayor of Berkeley, California. Sharing Johnson's business and political philosophies, Clarfeld became his aide, the camp. This partnership produced two national political campaigns, including the New Hampshire presidential primary election of 1976. In spite of all this excitement throughout his life, the lingering questions about man's origins that Marshall pursued while an undergraduate at Caltech still haunted him. He is the author of the book titled Adam, the Missing Link, which blows the lid off a closely held package of historical and scientific facts proving that the human race was created by the alien genetic engineering technology nearly a quarter of a million years ago. In 2012, Marshall discovered a new equatorial timeline that appears to date the construction of the Giza pyramids, Easter Island statues, and the Nazca lines to over 100,000 years ago. He has also discovered a new theory that branch these structures as creations of the space-age civilization called the Anunnaki. His new book is titled The Anunnaki Were Here, A Quantum Leap in Archaeology. And to learn more about Marshall Klarfeld and his work, visit his website at adamthemissinglink.com, which is also linked in our website. And directly from Southern California, I would like to welcome Marshall Klarfeld to Veritas. Hello, Mr. Klarfeld, and welcome. How are you? Just fine, Mel. Thank you for that intro. That was uh, quite well done. I appreciate it on your program. Thank you. Thank you for being here. A few weeks ago, you contacted me. May I call you Marshall, by the way? Absolutely, Mel. Thank you. A few weeks ago, you approached me and uh, you sent me your book. You sent me a video. And I have to say, I found a lot of commonalities between you and I. You, you also share the same thing. You have an overdeveloped sense of wonder, and you always want to find the truth regardless. This is going to be such an exciting show, folks. I'm always looking at, I'm questioning things, who created the pyramids, but more than who, I always want to know why. And Marshall has a theory that really shook me because it makes a lot of sense. And he'll tell us more, but Marshall, tell us a little bit more about you. And you had a story when you were about 10 years old, your father took you to a wealthy friend's estate and take it from there. Yes, uh, his name was Louis Pooney. He was the maitre d' at the famous Copley Plaza in Boston, a very good chum of my father's. And we went up to this estate of his in New Hampshire, and he was very proud of a swimming pool he had just built. Hadn't quite finished it. All the plumbing was exposed, and 
as I found out, my mind always wants to know how things work. And I looked at his spaghetti nightmare of plumbing, and I figured out it wouldn't work. And I told him, I said, uh, Mr. Pooney, uh, that's not going to work. And he was quite astounded that this 10-year-old kid could look at something and tell him that he was wrong. After he examined it closely, he realized that I was right, that he had made mistakes in, in hooking things up. And, um, and from that point forward, I came to the realization, Mel, that um, my mind is, is very inquisitive and it wants to know how things work and it has this ability to look at things and analyze them uh, on its own. I, I really don't have a control over that. That just happens. And that story has stuck with me for over the centuries here. <laughs> and, um, it all started, I guess, um, back when I first uh, went to school at Caltech. Very interesting time framing on that, Mel. I entered Caltech in the late summer of 1947 as a freshman. And, of course, as we all know, uh, in the, that same summer, the incident at Roswell occurred, and UFO became a terminology in our um, lexicon. So what I really am getting to at this point is that uh, the buzzword around campus at that time was UFO, aliens, and spacecraft, and I became very interested in the subject, and uh, as an undergraduate, I had uh, two extraordinary teachers, Mel. I was blessed, just the timing of it. My uh, physics professor was uh, Richard Feynman, and my chemistry professor was Linus Pauling. These two gentlemen later on uh, became famous and got Nobel laureate uh, prizes, but I had a, this uh, excellent uh, opportunity to uh, get very close to these two gentlemen as they were my teachers. And um, in case your audience is interested, at that time in 1947, Caltech took in only 190 freshmen. There were probably over 10,000 applicants, and I still to this day am amazed that they chose me because I graduated from St. Petersburg, Florida High School, which was not on the list of those uh, schools that you were trained in to get to some prestigious in institution like Caltech. But because there was only 190 of us uh, as a freshman class, we were really fortunate to have this close relationship with Pauling and with Feynman. And as I point out in my original book, Adam, the Missing Link, um, I was a brazen teenager and, and on a one-on-one -on -one conversation with uh, uh, Richard Feynman, I asked him, since it was so popular, Dr. Feynman, do you believe in UFOs? <laughs> you, did, you actually asked him that? Yes, I asked. I, uh, I was the social chairman of our house, and uh, we invited the professors to dinner, and I got him at the fireplace after dinner on a one-on-one, -on -one, and my mind was burning up with stuff I was reading in the Bible and, of course, the UFO thing, and I just said, well, geez, here's a guy I should know. And I asked him that, and here's the answer he gave me, which I think you'll find very interesting, Mel. He said, Clarfeld, I believe in the law of probability. He says of the billions and billions of stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way, and the billions and billions of galaxies in the universe, the law of probability tells us that there are 10,000 solar systems exactly like ours. He says, if any of those older ones, since we were the younger star, survive their space age, they could have visited us. Yes, I believe in UFOs. Now, I take that exact quote and I publish it in my first book because I thought it was an astounding answer for a young uh, undergraduate to get from his uh, future Nobel laureate professor. 
And if you analyze what he said, the most important part of it was not that we're the youngest star and that they're all the other solar system 10,000 that are like us are older than we are, therefore more advanced. He said, if they survive their space age, Mel, and it took me about 60 years to figure that one out. And I finally came to realize that every civilization that progresses towards space age exploration is faced with the uh, rocketry necessary to get off the planet, but also the atomic bombs that go on top of these rockets. And the uh, chances of the civilization obliterating itself are, are quite real. And that's what he was referring to, which is if they survive their space age. I wish that uh, had been my professor because I had good professors in, in college, but uh, most of them, of course, not that they were closed-minded, but they they were following the curriculum. And usually when you ask that question, they basically tell you that, uh, you know, science has not proven it. But, you know, we'll look up at the stars and we know there are billions of stars, which means there are probably trillions of planets. And if there's life here, and I love what he said, the law of probability. If we have life here, then the probability that there's life elsewhere then must be true. But you also have surrounded with some people, uh, Neil Freer, one of them, the late Zachariah Sitchin. So it seems to me that you were probably a disciple of Zachariah Sitchin. Zachariah and Sitchin, I discovered him in the early 1990s. And as I was researching on my own, trying to find a good, good formula or, or theory that would solve the problems that I was struggling with. Yeah. And I started reading, uh, of course, The Twelfth Planet first, and then I read everything he wrote. And uh, one day I got on the phone, I called him up, and we started a, a conversation that lasted for an hour. And from then forward, we had about a 10-year relationship where I was... Uh, the student, he was the teacher. Whenever I had a question, I'd call him up and ask him, and he'd give me an answer, or I'd write him. And uh, he was, at that time, writing on a, I think, a Corona typewriter. I have many letters in my file that are written with mistakes in the typing and erasures. It's, it's really quite quaint the way he must have written all his books that way, which I think I find phenomenal since I, I did most of mine on the computer. But yes, we had a relationship, and Neil Freer and I became friends. And he wrote some interesting books that I read, and since then we've had a ongoing relationship. But as far as I became a disciple of Zacharias because his theory made sense to me, Mel. I, I did much research before I wrote my first book, and I um, coordinated it with his books, and I came to the conclusion that the uh, gigantic database that he was basing his information on, which was the cuneiform tablets and the cylinder seals from the Sumerian civilization, was, were telling a story that eventually lots of those stories ended up in the Bible. Uh, I, I was a biblical student before I went to Caltech, and what really got me uh, absolutely intrigued was that the stories that I found in the Bible were so scientifically based that I wondered, how did these guys 5,000 years ago know all this information? You know, where did these, uh, the fourth day, the greater light of the day, and the lesser light of the night? We were taught at Caltech that uh, solar systems are born by accumulation of gases spinning around, and then finally the planets form through a collection of materials. And late in this period, if, if a solar system is to be successful like ours is, the sun ignites, finally, it's, but it's late in the process. 
And I looked at the six-day creation that was, story that was in the Bible, Genesis, and I said, you know, it says on the fourth day, God created the greater light of the day and the lesser light of the night, which was the sun and the moon. Well, that fit with what I was being taught about solar formations. And I said, you know, how'd they know that? <laughs> Who wrote that story? And then when I found Zechariah, it, it kind of all fell into place, and I'm sure you've read his material as I have and came to the same conclusion. And since he's no longer with us, um, I am, I've am i made myself his disciple. I'm out there uh, fighting all the good fights for him and with him and advancing as best I can on the uh, basic theories that he formulated so that we can uh, go forward and get to his uh, goal, which is, I think, all of our goals is to get disclosure. You, you seem to be carrying uh, his torch, but it was uh, Neil Freer who introduced me to Zachariah. As you know, later in life, he was more, you know, he wasn't granting that many interviews, but he actually allowed me to interview him. And I guess I'm very privileged to say that it was his last interview. Yes, I heard that, Mel. I went to your archives and I was delighted that, that you were able to uh, achieve that because Frankly, in some of my conversations with him, and I think you perhaps noticed that too, he wasn't very verbose about mm -hmm. to people. Um, I've heard him interviewed on Coast to Coast, and, and Nori would ask him a question. He'd say, yes, no, or read yeah. my book. <laughs> you know, those were his stock answers. That's right. That's right. You did a beautiful job with him. You got him to come out and to explain things, and I think that's the secret of being a good interviewer. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I do remember him and Michael Tellinger, who you probably also know, of course, since you refer to the Adams, Adams calendar and so on. All these people who continue looking at Zacharias Sitchin's work, and the reason why I started reading Zacharias Sitchin's work is because, like you probably, I could never get the answers from academia. I could never get the answers at my local library. And it was people who thought, who really thought outside the box. Those, right. were the, those were the people I gravitated towards. And I remember vividly one conversation I had with him when I said, Zachariah, what happens when a civilization accelerates to the point where they progress more technologically than spiritually? But he says, well, the proof is that we probably have had that in the past. Look at the Sana Peninsula. It's almost glass. So in other words, there could have been a nuclear explosion detonation maybe thousands of years ago, and we seem to repeat the same cycle again. So I wonder, Marshall, if we have wiped ourselves out in the past and continue to repeat the same all over again. Well, the story uh, that he uh, so beautifully portrayed in the Lost Book of Enki, I don't know if you've read that one yet, but uh, he tells the, truth, the whole story of the war, and he, he places it in time about 4,024 years ago in the Sinai, and it was a, a war against the two clans, the Enlil clan and the Enki. Enki. Yeah. And uh, that the there were seven atomic weapons that were brought from Nibiru and hidden uh, on the first voyage. They thought they needed them to blast their way through the asteroid belt to get to our surface, but obviously they didn't. And then the, the smart ones said, well, let's bury these. These are trouble. They had had nuclear wars on their planet, on Nibiru. There's a history of that also. But as far as what happened in the Sinai, we have uh, evidence of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible at that period of time. Those cities were nuked. 
as was the space tower that was in the Sinai that Marduk, uh, son of Enki, was trying to. And that's a whole other story that I could go into. But uh, Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.